We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. It's Paul Hamilton. That's what they called me in college. It's the bone. He has the facts to back up his opinions. People ask me, well, how are the Sabres going to win tonight? I don't have a clue. On WGR Sports Radio 550. Welcome back. Hour number two of our Preakness show here inside 34 Rush at Batavia Downs. Brian Colsey with you till 5 o'clock. Thanks for Ryan Hasenauer joining us last hour he'll be back with us at 3:30 he's going to go through each of the nine horses in the 147th running of the Preakness Stakes which is just after 7 o'clock if you want to watch the race it is on NBC later tonight they'll have coverage there starting at 4 o'clock so that's coming up at 3:30 uh, Jeff Medis from TD Green he was with me this morning uh, on the PGA Championship at 4 o'clock Don Hoover the GM of Live Racing uh, here with his thoughts on the Preakness coming up at 4.30. And as I said, we are with you till 5 here on our Preakness show on WGR. You heard Paul Hamilton and his open. Let's bring in Paul now. Paul, good afternoon. How are you? Good. Why do you let Ryan outdress you every year? Listen, I thought I, I thought I looked pretty good in the, the blue striped polo shirt. Next to today. him? Are you kidding me? <laughs> I know. That's a pretty impressive suit, isn't it, with the horses on it? He had the suit with the with the horseshoes. For the Derby, but now the one with the actual horse. He's got, like, it's like salmon stripe, pinstripes, and then the horses. Those are pretty impressive. Mm, yeah, I know. Yeah, I got to work. Yeah, I got to work on my outfit for these shows. He definitely has me beat. <laughs> uh, Paul, before I, I obviously brought you on to talk about the NHL playoffs and the Amherst, but I just last segment, I was just kind of shedding a few thoughts on what went on. Uh, I know I seeing, which I think is great, area businesses uh, today and, uh, and, you know, anywhere kind of in the public in Buffalo, they did a moment of silence at 2.28 p.m. Uh, to honor the, the victims of the mass shooting last week. And I, I was saying about how, you know, the, the Bills and the Sabres and the Bandits and others uh, all gave some time this week out there, former Bills too. And, Paul, I know you were there too, uh, as many others have this week, whether people have given their time, um, have given donations. I know a lot of people have done a little bit of both, and kudos to anybody out there that has done that. You, you're definitely making a difference. But, Paul, I wanted to 
thank you for doing that. And if you wanted to just shed your thoughts on what that experience was like. Just to do something like that uh, down at uh, Feedmore and uh, to, to be part of something that was important. They, they had all, all the, or they still have, all this food that's been donated. And some of it, you know, they still need to sort through and everything. And, but they also need to get these emergency food kits out to the people in need down on the east side so that you know they needed volunteers and i took told uh, kate glazier from uh, hope rises that how many do you need let me let me get on this and see and you know i called some folks from our our, our station uh nate nate geary was there i just wanted to make, i did call you but i was pretty sure you were still in school but because uh, yeah. i know you would have been there had you not been in school uh you know we 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 had joe dibiase uh Dan Dunleavy, Adam Benini, Julianne Pelusi. Um, you Bulldog. said Bulldog was there too. Yeah, Bulldog came down. Uh, Matt Bove, uh, and, and it was just to be able to get to because that's not the way I usually get together with those people, you know. And to get together those people to do something like that, and you know, to have fun with them while you're doing it, you know, you're you're doing something that needed to be done in the community. Plus, you're as I said, you're in an atmosphere with people that you're not normally in that atmosphere with. You're usually at a game or something like that with them, and you don't really get a chance to interact with them and talk with them and and enjoy their company. So it was uh, quite a, a neat experience to be down there with with and to be able to work with those people. Yeah, yeah. So great job, Paul. And and again, anybody that's given their time or don't have donated or given food or um, you know, you're doing the right thing, and we just got to keep doing it for sure. Um, okay, Paul, let's start with the Amherst. They have uh, advanced to another round, and would we? is it fair to say upsetting Utica? Is that uh, a fair description? Yeah, I mean, well, they had to play the play-in. You know, it's so Utica and the other four teams or three teams in the division did not have to do that, but four and five had to play each other. So that was Belleville. And they played a three-game series and swept Belleville. So the fifth seed got in and had to play the number one seed, which was uh, Utica. And uh, that was a best of five, and that took five games, but they were able to knock out the number one seed. So um, the one thing I had thought, you know, when before the playoffs began was with the help that they were going to get from Buffalo and Fitzgerald and Krebs and Samuelson, unfortunately – Samuelson has not been able to play, and he will not play in the first two games against uh, Laval on Sunday and Monday. Um, you know, but still, those guys have just made them a better team. Uh, just with the experience they got up in Buffalo after they were in Rochester, and now, you know, they're, they're really, I mean, Krebs, except for game four, has been the best player on the ice for them that I've seen. Nine assists so far, and in seven games, he leads the American Hockey League in assists in the playoffs. And as, you know, just the passes he makes are just, I mean, they're wow type of passes, you know. They're just uh, unbelievable types of passes where you don't think he has a lane to get it through, but somehow he gets it through legs and sticks. And uh, it was good scouting by Kevin Denita and his staff in game four to take that away from him. And every pass he made was he hit a stick or the, just the passing lanes weren't there. So we, I asked him after the game, and he said, we'll work on that. We're going to look at that. And he goes, I think we just need to get some more movement. 
And if we get some movement, we'll be able to get our passing lanes. And sure enough, he got another assist in the fifth and deciding game, which Rochester was able to win. And, uh, you know, so it's – I'm not shocked they're doing it because I just think they've improved as a team. Paterka just improved all year long. And uh, a lot of those guys improved all year long. And, you know, they're getting big saves when they need them from Aaron Dell. You know, his starts sometimes aren't great. I mean, sometimes there's a goal or two that go in that you go, eh, maybe you could have been stopped type of a deal. But oh, he he just slams the door after a while. I mean, he let in two uh, against Utica in game five, and that was it. He went 48 minutes, and that was the end of it. They didn't score again, and he made some great saves along the way. Um, in game one against Belleville, the home game, it went to overtime. He made three saves that he was diving across I mean he looked down and out I was like halfway out of my seat thinking I'm going down to the locker room and he somehow got over and made a save to allow them to be able to win that game in overtime so and you've heard me say this many times that's what I'm interested in the goaltender can you make the big save at the big time yeah you know and he's he's absolutely been doing that throughout these playoffs Paul from what I've been reading and from what you've been telling me too um, Krebs himself has taken a really, really positive approach about being there. That you know, yes, of course, now he's earned his NHL spot, but uh, going to play for the Amerks in this playoff run, it seems like he's fully invested and 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 really taking a great attitude about it. It is, and it's not like he's missing the NHL because his NHL season was over. So right. the way he looked at it is, I get to play some more hockey and some meaningful games, and he absolutely is into it. I mean. You know, when good plays are made, he's like jumping around, uh, you know, like a little kid would be. I mean, he, you know, when they win in overtime and they score big goals, I mean, he's the first one there to congratulate somebody. And and he's really, really invested and really, really into this. And, you know, they have a similar situation in Rochester they have in Buffalo where, you know, the players genuinely want to play for each other. And they want to be there for each other, and they enjoy hanging out with each other. And so it's it's not just here where Adams has developed that. He's developed that situation in Rochester, too, where, you know, a guy like Lucas Rusick, who, you know, spent all year rehabbing his knee, he winds up, you know, he's a draft pick, he's a sixth-round pick. You know, he comes in, and he has to have knee surgery in training camp, and he's out six months, so what does he do? He goes down to Rochester, and... You know, the players just enjoyed interacting with him. He He's the first one there every day doing his rehab. Uh, Appert said he had a smile on his face every day, and the players got to know him and really enjoyed his company. And then once he got on the ice, the players were like, hey, you want to put me on his, on his line? That's great because he's a really smart player, and he makes some really intelligent types of decisions, and the players, like, enjoy playing with him. So even a guy like that who was – kind of removed from the whole thing and spending his first time ever in North America. And what does he have to do? He has to rehab an injury. Um, you know, e- even that, I mean, they've taken to that and, and, and had welcomed him into the team. Paul Hamilton with us here on our Preakness show. Brian Colziel live at Batavia Downs Gaming and Hotel. Paul discussing the Amherst playoff run, which Paul starts tomorrow uh, game one and two in Laval, Sunday and Monday, so they'll be back-to-back there. And then for fans that want to go to Blue Cross Arena in Rochester, uh, game three will be Wednesday, and if it gets to a game four, it'll be Friday. So uh, an opportunity 
to uh, to go see the Amherst then. And uh, what is the what have the, the crowds been like, Paul, for the for the home games that you've been at in Rochester? Oh, they've been really they had a sellout crowd for that 505 game on Sunday. And then they had eight, over 8,700 there, and a sellout, I think, is 10,007. So they were pr- almost to a sellout for the next game, too, game four. So, I mean, the fans have really taken to this team also that, you know, they're coming out to see it. And, uh, you know, the, so far they won the one game at home in overtime against Belleville. And and uh, actually the, the, the win against Utica in game five was their first win in the playoffs. It wasn't in overtime. They had four wins. They were all in overtime. And, and uh, I'm sorry, they had three wins, and they were all in overtime. So they've done pretty well on the road, too. I mean, they lost the one game at home. They split at home with Utica, and they beat Belleville. So they're 2-1 and one at home, but uh, they're 3-1 and one on the road, if I'm doing quick math in my head here, because it was only one game in Belleville. Then they started in Utica for the first two games and split those. And then they won game five. So, I mean, the, I think what they've done is shown themselves that there's no, I mean, they don't start playing poorly when they're on the road, and that's going to serve them well having to play the first two games in Laval. Yeah, I think it's great, too, Paul, for just the organization as a whole. I mean, you and I have talked at length about the experience that these young players are getting, but we know that. that from the Sabres down, Paul, there's been not a lot of playoffs or winning at all over the last decade. Uh, the Amherst haven't had much success either on that end through this streak where the Sabres have missed the playoffs. So just to get kind of that winning playoff feeling back within the organization, uh, I'm, I think is, is invaluable. And I, I know you agree with me on that. And I, th- I think that maybe, you know, some of these guys will be on the Sabres next year, including Peyton Krebs and, you know, hopefully that trickle-down effect can happen to the parent club to the point where maybe the Sabres can, can kind of gain off some of that to, so that they can maybe be in the postseason next year. Yeah, and, and we're, we're talking about their great record here in the playoffs so far. It started the game before. They were in an all-or-nothing game the last regular season game. They had to win it, or they couldn't get in the playoffs. And then they had to get help from Toronto after they did win it. Well, that's out of their hands. But the part that was in their hands, they had to win, and they did. And that was Fitzgerald's first game. He came down and had three assists in that game because Buffalo still had a game left. But, you know, and Fitzgerald's the type of guy he understands. He, I don't think he took it personally. Oh, come on, I'm going to miss one more game with the Sabres and the money. He makes more money, quite a bit more money in Buffalo than he does in Rochester. Mm-hmm. But he was okay. You know, it's like they need me in Rochester, and and that was my team too earlier in the season when he was down there, and he was more than happy to go down there in a must-win situation and be able to play. Again, you know, just talking about the way these guys think now and the way they are. It's not all about them, and that's the way it used to be. There were some darn good hockey players that went through here since 2010, but it was, in for the most part, not all of them, but for the most part, all about them. And that's not the way things are anymore. Yeah. Well, good news there with the Amherst. We'll, uh, we'll be following you, Paul, in your coverage. Uh, game one again tomorrow and game two Monday in Laval. And then game three and four, if it gets that far, in Rochester on Wednesday and Friday. Both of those games at Blue Cross Arena are 7.05 puck drops. 
Okay, let's talk NHL playoffs here with the few minutes left that we have, Paul. Tonight, Colorado and St. Louis, the lone game on the schedule. That series is tied at one. Uh, then three more tomorrow. Florida and Tampa, the Lightning up 2 nothing. Carolina and the Rangers in a pair of low-scoring games. Carolina's won both of theirs. And Calgary and Edmonton, uh, they got off to that wild start in that first game. It's 1-1. Uh, what's been the most interesting storyline in the second round so far for you? St. Louis actually won a game and kind of dominated in that game. Uh, I, as you know, I had Colorado in a sweep. Yeah. And I was pretty comfortable with that. I didn't think St. Louis was going to win a game. I really didn't. And it wasn't like a fluky win. It was like they had that game in control in Colorado, by the way. Uh, So that was a pretty impressive win for St. Louis to be able to go home with a split like that. Um, I think I'd be lying to you if I thought that Calgary was going to, what was the score of that game, 9-6? Yeah. 9-7 or something like that? 9-6, yep. Yeah, I wasn't thinking that (laughs) that was going to (laughs) happen, even though they've got some very talented offensive players on both teams in, in in that series. But I certainly wasn't expecting that, and I... As even though I, I thought Tampa Bay would win the series, I and mean, they haven't won anything yet, but I didn't think they'd walk into Florida and win the first two games, um, which they were able to do also. So uh, it's kind of like I've been telling you for three years now, Tampa, they just kind of hang out in the regular season. They're fine with being the seventh-seeded team. Okay, cool. We're good. Yeah. You know, we don't have to win the, the number one overall trophy. Uh, that's all right. We'll let Florida take that home or whoever wants to win that. We're just going to get through the season, get up to our game, start playing our game. And uh, even, you know, Toronto, they had to, it was a back and forth series, but they understand what they needed to do and they win that in seven. And now they take the first two games in Florida. Now nothing's won because Florida's a good enough team to walk into Tampa and win two games. They even know that Tampa is the two-time defending champion. So I'm not sitting here saying this that series is over and Tampa hasn't won. But it made it difficult on Florida. And some guys who maybe haven't come to the forefront in the last two games are going to have to wake up a little bit for that team. Yeah. And, Paul, the, the Carolina Rangers games have been so low scoring. Um, Shesterkin's been great in those games. He's given his team a chance to win both times. But... The Rangers all of a sudden can't score. They Kreider and Panarin and Zibanejad all of a sudden they can't beat Auntie Ranta right now, which is a little surprising because the Rangers have put the puck in the net a decent amount this year during the regular season and in the first round. Ranta's played well. I don't want to take anything away from him, but I'm getting to the point where I'm kind of thinking anybody can play goal in Carolina with the way they play, with the mm-hmm. way Brindamore has you know put that team together in the, in the style that they play. I think it's it it makes it easier for a goaltender. Right. You still have to make the saves. I mean, there are going to be some times in that game where you're going to have to come up big, and Ranta absolutely has been able to do that. But um, you know, the Carolina has, has under Brindamore has been on the top of the league defensively, and it seems like every year they have a different goalie. You know, and I'm just getting to the point now, especially in this deal where I thought, uh oh. Now they got to go with Ranta. And it's even been the same thing with that Russian kid. I can't even remember his name. Uh, that good prospect that they have that they had to bring up when Ranta got hurt. They had to throw him in a little bit, and he was fine. 
<laughs> you know, and yeah. but he he had played well in the American Hockey League, but he was fine. That I'm just getting to a point where I think you basically can throw anybody in goal in Carolina, and you're going to be all right. Yeah. All right. So Colorado and St. Louis resumes tonight, and then uh, the other three tomorrow. Triple header: one thirty, three thirty, and eight o'clock. So if you've been wanting to watch the NHL, tomorrow is a a good day to get it. They'll get back all going. Paul, is Colorado still the favorite in your eyes to eventually host the Cup here at the end? I would think so out of the West. I don't see any of those teams being able. They shouldn't be able to do it. But, uh, yeah, I, I I think a Colorado-Carolina final would be fun uh, type of thing. Tampa just, I mean, it's, it's hard not to sit here and say that they can't be there again. I mean, I... I finally thought that they were going to go down with Toronto, and they pulled it out. And you know, maybe for Tampa, Paul, this could be facing uh, Toronto. Maybe it could be their toughest of their three rounds. Not that Florida and maybe Carolina are, you know, ba- are bad teams in any way, but maybe that hurdle of getting by the Leafs. They're thinking, hey, we can we can do this again. I mean, they they obviously have the belief that they know that they've done it before. They can do it again here, and that would be incredible to win three cups in a row do we have to go back to edmonton the oilers the oilers yeah, and, the, the, and the islanders and the islanders wow yeah, yeah that'd be that'd be incredible in in a, in a in now how sports is so much about parody and salary cap you know building those dynasties is tough to do so if they're able to win three in a row that would be and, and for such a grind that the stanley cup playoffs are i mean that's why we see so often maybe the the top team in the regular season doesn't win the cup because it's such a grind to get through four rounds and anything can happen. Yeah, it is. that's why I said with Colorado, I, I think they're the best team by far over those four. But yeah. that doesn't mean that those those teams can't beat them. I mean, Colorado, didn't they get swept last year? If I'm, if I'm not mistaken. Who bounced? Did Vegas take them out last year? I'm pretty sure they got swept. You know me and my brain. Sometimes I don't remember things very well. But, uh, and, and, I mean, if that was the case, who would have thought that? You yeah. Know, uh, so it, it's just they didn't advance. I mean, that's for sure. So, uh, you know, they, they've got some ghosts in the closet, too, that they're haunting them. So, you know, they gotta they got to try to break out from that, too. Today was my Lat- day, too, by the way, because I put it up since you've been on the air. Uh, my, I was with the World Championships today because uh, – uh, everybody was playing uh, Darlene, uh, Asplin, Cousins. They were all, uh, and it was there was some pretty good hockey there. Unfortunately for Asplin and Darlene, they kind of got upset by Team USA and the Bruins. They provided the goaltending for that game. Jeremy Swayman has gotten there and was in net for the U.S. and Linus Olmark has gotten there and he was in goal for Sweden. So that was kind of <laughs> fun to see those two, those two in goal. And it came down to overtime, 11 seconds left. Swayman made a great save. U.S. came the other way, and Asplund's the one back covering, defending the two-on-one. He's a forward. He doesn't necessarily face two-on-ones very often. Of course, they he, he didn't do very well with it, and it wound up in the net. But overall, you know what? Asplund has played really, really well. He's tied for the lead in goal scoring in the tournament yep. with four. And Darlene had a really nice goal. I have it in my article on WGR550.com if anybody wants to see it. He opened the scoring. Uh, there was a turnover. He came down the slot and had a really nice goal. He has two goals and three assists in the thing. Um, Cousins didn't get any points. Uh, they were playing Switzerland. Both teams were undefeated. Switzerland won 6-3. to three. 
because Canada's goaltending was wasn't even AHL goaltending. It was horrendous. Uh, and and Julianne stayed with it. It was Thompson of Vegas. I don't know why, but uh, Cousins was held off the score sheet here. But last game he had a hat trick, and he has three goals and two assists, and he's playing on Canada's top line. And we've seen him play wing, but he's playing left wing with Dubois and Wah on this team and really excelling. I, I've, I've liked almost every game I've seen him. And in two of the games I've seen, he's been Canada's best player playing on the left side. And he's on their number one line and their number one power play doing really well. Oh, that's good. Just to uh, get the info out, Vegas did beat Colorado last year in round two in six. In so six. That's, uh, how, that's how the that's Avalanche That's why I wanted you to look year. it up because my mind goes mushy sometimes. <laughs> yeah, that, and that last year, of course, was the, the season that, was what it was played later in may and montreal ends up in the final it was a weird year but and the divisions remember you played only in the division and it, the, you had vegas and colorado who we thought maybe were the best two teams in the league they had to play each other in round two last year meanwhile that remember we said that canadian division you thought toronto was going to run away with it montreal came back it was a weird playoff year but tampa ended up obviously still hoisting the cup at the end so vegas took out colorado last year and don't they have a better team this year didn't they make a trade that made them better on paper, supposedly so. Yes, Paul. Paul, we don't have any more time. I know you're trying to stir the pot here, but I'm going to let you go. Thank you, Paul, so much for your, uh, for your efforts. We uh, will be looking forward to uh, your Amherst coverage here over the next week or so. Okay, take care. All right, Paul Hamilton there. Sabres season will uh, be here before we know it. Mid-September, they'll be uh, getting going for training camp. But, uh, yeah, I still think Colorado's the team to beat, but... I know Paul said Carolina. I kind of think Tampa's still going to figure out a way to get back to the finals again. Uh, if Colorado played Tampa or if Colorado played Carolina, I think that would be a, a really tremendous final. Uh, Calgary has had a great year. They deserve to maybe be there too, but they play a, a lot more tighter defensive style. I just don't want to see it. I mean, if, if I could pick the, the matchup, I want to see Colorado-Florida just because I think that would be the most entertaining, but... I don't see Florida coming back down 0-2, losing the first two at home to the two-time defending champion, Lightning. All right, time out here from Matavi Downs. Good stuff there from Paul Hamilton. Ryan Hasenauer coming back. He'll be uh, breaking down the nine-horse field when we return. Preakness Day, the Preakness Show from 2 to 5. Brian Colziel coming back inside 34 Rush from Batavia Downs right after this on WGR. Thirty-three, Three's wild here. Back on WGR Sports Radio 550, live inside 34 Rush. Tavia Downs Gaming and Hotel, our Preakness show continuing. Brian Colzio with you on WGR. Thanks to Paul Hamilton for joining us last segment. Good stuff there on the Amherst. Good for them for advancing and uh, the experience for the players that Paul just mentioned. Uh, another round coming up against Laval starting tomorrow. Game one and two in Laval. Sunday and Monday, and then for those of you that want to go see the Amherst, uh, Wednesday, game three in Rochester. Friday, if it gets there, game four in Rochester at Blue Cross Arena. Amherst.com, by the way, if you are looking for tickets. All right, Ryan Hasenauer is back with us. All right. Good for the Amherst, right? I know oh. you follow them, too. You want them to do well? Brian, I grew up in Rochester in the lovely burg of uh, Fairport down there, and uh, myself and my Mom and Dad would, uh, t and my brother Chris would take in many uh, uh, Amherst game down at the War Memorial, as it was known back then. And uh, 
you know, anytime you see the Amherst doing well, it uh, it brings some warmth to my heart. And those of you that know, know Uncle Phil's there. If you guys know Uncle Phil, the most famous usher in all of uh, Rochester, he's at the Red Wings games, at the Amherst games. Uh, it's all good for uh, for people to go out there and see Uncle Phil. I'm sure I'm going to see him at some point if I go to any of these games coming up. I'm sure you will. Yeah, and Paul Hamilton just on the last segment said Blue Cross Arena has been rocking for these games, which oh is good. Oh my gosh, there's a picture. I don't know if you saw it. They published it on the AHL website so or, the, on the after Facebook. the the celebration where the yeah they he's have, leaning yes yeah. and that and it's and the lighting in there is great on the picture too. Yes, that's yes. exactly what I was going to yes. mention because it's almost like that old school you know and it, all respect to the Royal Memorial in Rochester, the Blue Cross Arena, but with the light being on the on the ice, ice. yeah, and on the player and like. The darkness of like the fans in terms of like they light up their ice. You can see just the way that the it, it is with like a, a dark and a light. The picture is just so perfect. It just it just screams minor league hockey in a good way. You know what I mean? So. I agree. I hope whenever the uh, renovations come for KeyBank Center and they redo the lighting, which I assume would be a part of it, that they do put more of the light on the ice and not in the bowl. I just think I love that look. I love yes. how Madison Square Garden does it great. Staples Center does it great. I know the idea behind it when MSG did it for all these years was to essentially create like Broadway. Like, hey, the lights are on the stage. Right. We don't need to see the people in the audience. And I always think it looks really cool. Um, when I used to go to the Big East tournament so many years, it was so amazing. And I think even just that, just even the lighting in the building and that picture right. looks so good. But you're right uh, with that with that shot we do that here in the clubhouse if you come to a race at night of course the the track is all lit up yeah and when the horses are behind the starting gate and the race begins they shut off all the lights in the clubhouse oh, so cool. that you can concentrate on what's going on outside on the track so yeah so it's, see ron you're yeah. you're a pr guy you know all about theater here listen it's, it's gonna set the stage we gotta do whatever <laughs> we can to make sure that you understand that it's non-stop fun in action here at Batavia Downs. let me tell you yes all right before we go through the nine horses let's yes. pick up on the fun here how's yeah. the how's the uh, tacos and to Tequila going here. Oh, my goodness. So, Tacos and Tequila begins at uh, 5 o'clock today, 5 to 7, uh, headlined by Terramana, which is the Rock's Tequila. There's some cardboard cutouts of the Rock here. I'm going to get a picture with it and tweet at the Rock. Hopefully, the Rock will see my tweet, especially with my suit on here. And uh, maybe we'll get a little famous. Maybe Batavia Downs get a little famous courtesy of the Rock today. But uh, the tickets still available at the Lucky Treasures gift shop. You can buy tickets for 40 bucks. You're going to get a free program for the Preakness, free $5 bar in the Preakness. You get access to a taco bar. You get six taco holders. They're like these little plastic taco holders you can take home for when you're going to have tacos at your house. And, of course, tequila sampling from tequila-based seltzers and regular tequila. Uh, all throughout the 5 to 7 o'clock uh, time frame. And then the Preakness is at 7. And then hit the gaming floor for some fun. we got cash drawings tonight. It's, uh, it's a great time here at Batavia Downs. Good spot to come in later if you maybe want to watch Colorado and St. Louis even too, 8 o'clock inside 34 Rush. Yes, yes. We do have the band setting up behind us, so there will be uh, live music here today as well. But, uh, yes, the game will be on several of the other TVs here. So come enjoy some free live music. And uh, enjoy some uh, some playoff hockey. Absolutely. These lights are not for me, Ryan. Come on, I thought uh, you know they do. They do. <laughs> you do treat me well here. Shirt. <laughs> I know. <laughs> no, I, I I'm I'm guessing that uh, guy walking in in you know blue baby blue polo shirt is not here to perform on stage. No, I, maybe I, you do I, some stand up comedy. I don't know. I know. <laughs> probably. All right. TJ, you'd be you'd be good to perform better than me for sure on the stage. You, you've you've performed at many places. We're gonna have to yeah, get you here to Batavia Downs. I, I could probably, I could probably do, do something on the spot for sure. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I could. Sing I don't along. know what, but I there I, you go. I yeah. could think of something. Sure, I know. 
All right, let's ready to break down the nine horses yeah, here? Yeah, that sounds good. Let's do it. All right, so get your pens, pencils, listing ear ready if you're going to make a wager on any of these horses or if you were looking for maybe something to jump out. Ryan's right. here to uh, to give you some news and nuggets on each of them. So nine horses in the field, as we mentioned to start the show. Unfortunately, uh, no Rich Strike who won the Derby. But here's who is in. Uh, this is the first horse, Simplification, who did race in the Derby. There's a couple horses that did race in the Derby who yes. are racing today, and Simplification is one of them. Yeah, Simplification, uh, he does have a jockey change as well. He's going to have John Velasquez on his back, Hall of Famer there. He's 6-1. to one. He was fourth in the Derby, so he was kind of picking off horses late as all the eyes were on Rich Strike as he passed over um, epicenter there the, uh, the the simplification did finish in fourth they're hitting the superfecta he had a 101 speed figure which by the way is very impressive any speed figure over 100 is really good he was third in the florida derby and uh that's why he you know was able to get into the derby race uh he's going to stalk the lead so you probably won't see him go right to the front he'll probably just kind of hang around towards the front and they'll probably try to make his move late with the jockey like john velasquez i wouldn't count this horse out now velasquez of course winner many times can get it done here yep Two-horse, Creative Minister. So trainer Ken Mapeak won the Preakness two years ago with Cloud Computing, who is a filly. Now, this horse is probably known as the wise guy horse this week. Everyone's saying, oh, you know, the people who are doing the clockers, the people who are there at the track watching the workouts, or they're taking a look at those things. They have deemed this horse as one to watch. And he's a 10-to-1 quasi-long shot, if you will. Um, he won a mile and a 16th race on Derby Day at Churchill Downs. He was part of the undercard, if you will, mm-hmm. on Derby Day. He's got three lifetime starts, two wins in one second. And, uh, again, he's probably going to be stalking the lead, but also as a closer, he'll probably be more towards the back of the stalking group. You know, they'll have a couple horses out front. He'll be kind of uh, towards the back of that next section of horses. All right, if you're looking for a long shot, we had one in the Derby. This could be the biggest one. Number three horse is Fenwick. He is the longest uh, shot on the board. He finished last in the Bluegrass Stakes after winning a four hundred, or excuse me, a forty thousand dollar maiden race at Tampa. He's the son of Curlin, who won the two thousand and seven Preakness, so he's got some good lineage. He's probably going to try to set the pace. We talked about it during the first segment, Brian. Is it going to be hot enough today that a horse might try to go right to the front and just go start to finish and lead wire to wire? That's probably what Fenwick's going to try to do. It'll be interesting to see if he pushes the pace early and maybe tires some of these other horses out that also want to be on the lead. Yeah. Well, I mean, 50 to 1, and of course, after what happened at the Derby, there's going to be people today that are going to say, I'm going to give it a shot here. Right. (laughs) Probably the... History of horse racing would tell you now is the time not to do it. Right, it but, just happened. So, but you know, you know, human interest in it. Hey, fifty to one, like why not? Right, give it a shot. There's always a chance. That's right. <laughs> All right, the four ho a four horse is Secret Oath. So we touched on Secret Oath before. Dwayne Lucas is the trainer. He's won, uh, I believe, six Preakness wins in his lifetime. So he's uh, a good trainer to have in this race. Secret Oath was the filly, a female horse, that won the Kentucky Oaks back there the day before the Kentucky Derby. So she is a great horse, and she'll be taking on the boys after winning that with 105 speed figures. So she's got a lot of speed, and uh, she's going to use it today. She finished third in the Arkansas Derby, and then, of course, got pointed towards the Oaks instead of the Derby. Uh, her dad is Arrogate, who was a, the 2016 Travers and Breeders' Cup Classic winner. So, again, a very good um, horse in terms of uh, lineage. And she will also stalk the lead. Not be right out front, but definitely in that second pack. The five horse is early voting. Early voting is your third choice favorite on the, or excuse me, your second choice favorite on the morning line. Uh, Chad Brown is a trainer and jockey is Jose Ortiz. Uh, He left simplification. He was on simplification for the Derby and now he comes over here on early voting. Early voting did not 
go in the Derby. They kept him out, even though he finished second in the Wood Memorial, which is the lead-up race for the Derby that takes place at Aqueduct here in New York State. Um, he's got two wins in one second and three lifetime starts. His dad is Gunrunner, who won, or excuse me, was third in the Derby and won the Breeders' Cup Classic as well. He's probably going to try to press the pace. If he's not on the lead, he's going to be just off the lead, uh, probably ahead of the Stalkers and uh, right up there at the front. So look for early voting to possibly be dueling with um, uh, Fenwick there at the beginning here, the number three. And as we mentioned earlier, the Preakness, the shortest race. So if you're going to get out in front early, the chances of holding on are a little greater in this race a than maybe better. like yep. in three weeks at the Belmont when it's much longer. Yeah, the Belmont, it's the true test of the champions. So you really got to pace yourself and not go too fast. Uh, one thing I forgot to mention uh, earlier today, if you go back and watch that Derby um, replay, you'll hear Larry Colmes when they get to the first mile, he goes, it's a blazing. It's actually the second fastest first mile in the Derby ever. Wow. So they went, or actually not the first mile, maybe the first uh, quarter quarter of a mile, whatever it was. But whatever it was, the second fastest of all time. Larry Colmes made mention of it on the broadcast. And a lot of people were saying that's what tired the horses at the front out. Uh, again, maybe Rich Strike got a little lucky there because, yeah. you know, if you're getting the second fastest pace of all time up front, those horses at the front would get tired and then they would fade. The six horse is where we're at next, and it's Happy Jack at 30-1. to 1. So you got trainer Doug O'Neill, of course, from I'll Have Another back in 2012, uh, which is uh, 10 years ago when, uh, when he had that shot, and then, of course, the horse scratched the morning of the race. Um, you got Tyra Gaffleone, uh, who's a, a great horse, uh, or a great jock, and at 30-1, to 1, a little bit tough. He finished 14th in the Derby, and he has not won past his maiden race, where he won for the first time. Uh, he finished third in the Santa Anita Derby in his last start before the uh, Derby. And, uh, you know, he's a good horse in terms of uh, probably trying to close here. It'll be interesting to see, again, if there's a fast pace, he might be able to make some noise. Uh, but that's what he's going to probably try to look to do is to maybe pick off some horses and uh, get maybe in third or fourth for your trifectus and superfectus. All right, seven horse, our magnet. Our magnet with Tim Yachtine, who, of course, is not Bob Baffert. It's Tim Yachtine, who is the trainer. Uh, Officially on magnet. the program. Officially on the program here. <laughs> Jackie Irad Ortiz Jr., another great jock. He's 12-1 to 1 on the morning line, fourth in the standing day derby. He raced the Monday after the derby, and he won a $90,000 allowance race. He also might try to set the pace. So you got three horses here, the seven the five and the three who might all try to go to the front and kind of jostle with each other at the front and see what they can do. Just looking uh, real quick up at here, Lightning Larry, the two horse, just won the ninth race over at Pimlico. $26 he paid, so that means he's coming in at uh, 12, 13 to one there. So that, you know, not a, not a gigantic long shot, but at least a decent enough long shot. 12 to one actually to win that race. So, yeah. All right, now from long shots to favorites. The favorite is the eight horse and it's epicenter who was just a few strides away from winning the Derby. Indeed. What do we expect today? So second in the Derby, as you mentioned, he's the morning line favorite with Joel Rosario on his back. Steve Asmussen is his trainer. Uh, he kept the run of three wins and four starts at the fairgrounds, which is down there in Louisiana, uh, where he won uh, the grade two Louisiana Derby, which, of course, is the, the kickoff there. And then he went on to, like I said, finish second in the Derby, almost winning it. He had a career-best speed figure of 102 in the um, – in the LA, in the uh, excuse me, the Louisiana Derby, and you know, in the in the Derby itself, the actual Kentucky Derby, you know, he had great speed figures and just got beat there late. I'm going to include him in every bet. I'm going to put him on top in every bet I have. I'm probably going to key some uh, bets where I just put eight on top and some other horses to finish second and third. I, I think this horse is the horse. I think he's just he's got what it takes. He just kind of got beat by what was a perfect trip and a horse that was just biding its time uh, in the Kentucky Derby. 
and the nine horse to finish the field for the Preakness Skippy Longstocking. Yeah, Skippy Longstocking. Great name for a horse. <laughs> yes. Um, he's got the most starts of any of these horses. He's got nine lifetime starts, five as a two-year-old, and four as a three-year-old during this three-year-old season. One of those starts he won, and one of them he finished third. Um, that third was in the Wood Memorial. So, again, he was racing in the Wood and, and finished uh, third there. Uh, he does, he's got the same jockey, Junior Alvarado, on his back for his last four races. That's important. You like to have a lot of... Um, you know, continuity when it comes to your horses there. He's also coming off a lot of rest. He didn't, the last time he raced was that Wood Memorial race back on April 22nd. So he's got lots of time to rest up. And uh, his his uh, dad was the winner of the uh, 2016 Preakness. So uh, he's coming from a good, you know, good uh, lineage there as well. So possibly somebody that might hit, you know, fourth or third or something like that. Not going to put him on top. But uh, could could see him hitting the, uh, the try or the super there. 91 degrees at 7 p.m. is the uh, forecast for Baltimore with partly sunny skies. So we won't have a, a wet track to deal with, but it will be very hot. Yes, indeed. Yeah, it's going to be hot out there. And like we talked about in the last segment or a couple segments ago, uh, they could affect concentration. It could affect uh, folks, you know, whether or not the horses are up for the challenge, if they're, um, you know, able to, to deal with that hot weather, if the jockeys are able to deal with it too. So uh, we'll have to see. Exciting. All right. Good job, Ryan, on that. There's your nine-horse breakdown. Uh, bring you back in the final hour to get your picks in, right? That sounds good. I'll do it. All right. Ryan has an hour from Batavia Downs Gaming and Hotel. Still to come, PGA Pro Jeff Metis on the PGA Championship coming up from T to Green uh, just after 4 o'clock. Don Hoover, the GM of Live Racing, with his thoughts at 4.30. And then Ryan at about 4.45, final thoughts and his picks as uh, we roll on on our Preakness show. More coming up. Brian Colesio here with you. And we'll take a timeout inside 34 Rush here on WGR. Welcome back. Our Preakness show rolling on here on WGR live inside 34 Rush at Batavia Downs Gaming. Thanks to Ryan Hasenauer for joining us last segment. His full breakdown of the nine-horse field. Uh, Post time just after 7 o'clock. If you want to watch it, it's on NBC. They'll have coverage starting there today. Another good sports day here on a Saturday. Uh, We've got the PGA Championship up on the big screen here inside 34 Rush. I'm enjoying that. Speaking of that, Jeff Metis, PGA Pro from uh, Tita Green, going to join us next segment to break that down. Uh, but you got the NHL playoffs resuming tonight, Colorado and St. Louis at 8 o'clock. Preakness just after 7 o'clock. Uh, the NBA playoffs, I usually start to kind of get really into it at this point because I think the later rounds are better in the NBA. I was having this discussion with a group of friends how Comparing the playoffs, I said, I think the NHL in the early rounds, way better. I said, the NBA in the final rounds are better. If I was going to kind of, you know, push one side to the other, I think the, the opening round, there's nothing like even opening night of the Stanley Cup playoffs. I just think it's phenomenal. But the opening round, to me, because the series, the series are so close, uh, I just think it's great. The one... Part of the NHL that I think sometimes you might not view this as a negative. I view it as a negative sometimes is that because it's so hard to advance and, you know, hockey people will say it's the most grueling playoffs. It's the most toughest trophy to win because of the four rounds. I would agree. 
that to me is what devalues the regular season. Like, if you've been the best team all year and you lose in the first round, which happens in the NHL more often than in the other sports, like, you just had six months of being the best, and now, you know, seven-game series, you're out. Now, of course, people will say, well, don't lose in a seven-game series. I get it. But it's, it's, I feel like it's easier. A 1-8 upset or a 2-7 upset in the NHL doesn't seem like as big of a deal. All you need is a hot goalie or uh, maybe there's a key injury or something that happens in the series, and it shifts it quite a bit. In the NBA, usually the first round, honestly, is just one-sided and not that very much interesting. The favorites tend to always win in those. But now in the NBA, you're down to the conference finals. This Miami-Boston series is very, very interesting. 1-1. I like the Celtics to win in this series. I think Jason Tatum has been the best player in the playoffs, other than maybe Luka on um, on Dallas, who's been excellent as well. The Mavs are down 0-2. I just think the Warriors are too deep. They've got too many guys that can score and, you know, let's face it, they've, they've got Curry, too, who's him and Thompson now being Thompson healthy. Uh, I think the Warriors are uh, going to be off to the finals. But um, I think, you know, if I was going to rank the playoffs, you know, in Buffalo, the NHL playoffs are bigger because we have an NHL team. I think the NBA playoffs would be bigger if we had an NBA team. We didn't have an NHL uh, one. Uh, so, you know, in Western New York, I can see why people would – maybe side sword saying I'd rather watch the NHL playoffs. I think people are just more invested in hockey because we have an NHL team here. But I think early on, the playoffs are better in the NHL. And then I think later, as the you know in the conference finals and the finals, I think that's where I, I, I feel like the NBA gets a little bit juicier. The games are closer. The games are tighter. The stars tend to rise up. So now that the fact that the NBA is down to the Final Four, I'm uh, looking forward to seeing some good games. However... You know, my whole argument here might be uh, disputed here in one moment. They actually have kind of been blowout games. The first four games, two on each side, the East and the West, they haven't been close. Miami won the first game handily. Boston won the second game handily. And then Golden State's won both of the games against Dallas. I guess it's a nice comeback in the second game for the Warriors after they were down early on. But um, usually I feel like the NBA, when it gets down to the Final Four in the finals, is uh, is pretty good. So we'll see here. I mean, if Golden State's in there, you've got the star power with Curry, and with Thompson and the Warriors, of course, now have established themselves as one of the best franchises in the NBA. And you, you get up maybe against a classic franchise like the Celtics. Uh, that, I think, would be a, a really intriguing finals. As for the NHL, like, what's the dream matchup there? Probably if they could somehow maybe get the Rangers into the finals to get the New York City market involved. I think, you know, for if I'm saying if I'm Gary Bettman, what am I rooting for here? Probably I'm rooting for Tampa and the Rangers to meet in the Eastern Finals with the Rangers maybe advancing. Um, and then I think Colorado's still in the West to meet. The Canadian teams are can be, you know, Edmonton can be fun. Would it be great for the league to maybe have McDavid in the Finals? Yes. Um, but I think Colorado still, in terms of its marketability and its excitement, you know what, I, I wouldn't mind seeing Edmonton in the Finals. I think McDavid's a great player, the best player in the league. It'd be kind of fun to see him. You know, in terms of what the league's rooting for, Maybe uh, they're rooting for the Rangers and the Avalanche to get to the finals. But uh, I think at the moment, I would pick Colorado and Tampa. If I was starting right now and said who's going to the finals, I think those would be my picks, the Avs um, against the Lightning. Tampa just figures out a way to get it done. All right, time out here. We're uh, getting close to starting hour number three from our Preakness show. Lots more on the Preakness coming up. Don Hoover, the GM of Live Racing at 430. We'll get Ryan Hasenauer's picks in as well before the show ends. But coming up next... PGA Championship. Third round is underway. The leaders are on the course. There's been a little 
shake of the top of the leaderboard. So we'll break it down. PGA Pro Jeff Minas, who's on with me on Tee to Green on Saturday mornings, going to join us next here on WGR. We'll be back from Batavia Downs with hour number three right after this. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. (sighs) Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Oh, oh. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. <laughs> 